Welcome to the Millennials Unpublished Podcast, where we talk about everything from gaps in the literature to gaps in society. Thank you for joining us for another episode. This is Jaslyn. And this is Darren. Thank you again for coming back. You know, we took last week off, but we're back here today and excited to chat with everyone. We are. And we're also excited for all our new listeners. We had this surge of followers on Instagram and Twitter, and we want to welcome all the new listeners and... Uh, encourage them to engage. Yeah, seconding that. So let's just dive into it as usual. So how are you, Jess? (laughs) (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) I am alive. Okay. Um, And right now that's, that's great. You know, like there's highs and lows within days, between days, but I'm alive. Um, Everyone I love is healthy and well. Uh, so just working through things a day, an hour at a time, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's a little bit sad. It has to be like that, where it's like, we're, we're going to start out with like, I'm alive. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I made an Insta post, I think it was a couple of days ago where I was just like, I live, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like iconic because <laughs> of the current situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. How have you been just like keeping up with everything? Um, so prior to this week, I'd kind of stayed away from the news. Yeah. Um, if there's anything I needed to know, I'd look it up or I'd ask or something. But um, I decided to watch the news and Oof. it took me out. So I think I might go back to not watching the news, take another yeah. break. Yeah. But I've been getting a lot of my thoughts out on social media as of late. Mm-hmm. which has been very healing. Um, also to hear how other people are processing the same things, it just kind of, it it helps you sort of sit in the fact that we're all confused together, but right. we're also all trying to make change happen. Yeah, it makes sense. How are you doing, Darren? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people have been, asking me that like people you know just just hopping out the cut you know year from years back ask me how I am and I'm, and I'm so grateful for it but when people ask me I just I don't know how to put it into words and I feel like lately it's that's been my struggle like not feeling as though I, I, I even have like the proper adjectives nouns and verbs to put what the situation feels like um, into anything so I don't know I think I'm just trying to figure it out um, I've been really grateful for people sort of checking in and stuff. I've been feeling a lot of pain, a lot of sadness, a lot of frustration, a lot of rage, you know, um, just all of the things all at once. So I think that's my answer, exasperated. That's, I was gonna say, that's exhausting. <laughs> like each one of those emotions by themselves is draining. Yeah. And then you put them all together and it's taxing. Yeah, and it's, so. it's, it's been really tough too because I feel like a lot of people have been asking me how I am, which has been really nice, but then I just sometimes don't know. Um, so wanting to respond, you know, and show up for them in those conversations as they, as they sort of try to provide space for me, but just... Uh, being speechless speechlessness <laughs> yes, speech, the state of being speechless yeah whatever that is whatever that means yeah heavy heavy times and i think we'll 
the conversations for a while, both on and off the show, will kind of be around these topics. So I think it's good to just take a moment to think about how um, or how everything's going on is affecting you. Yeah, definitely. So let's just get into our topic under review. Sounds good. So this week, we're going to talk about becoming woke bae. Woke bae. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know if you want to start us off. Yeah. So I guess what we were thinking for this topic, there's a lot of talk about people getting their politics together. <laughs> and so we thought it'd be really interesting to kind of talk about our progression and how we developed our politics and yeah. then how we're able to speak on them. Um, and in this part, we're going to speak on the, literally the progression. Um, and then we have another conversation that we recorded that's going to go into, you know, the challenges to developing your politics and the people that helped us along the way. So that'll come afterwards. But this was just kind of like a journey, our, our like our origin story for our, our politics, story. I guess. <laughs> Interesting. Sounds heroic. Um, but I guess for you, Jaslyn, this, to start us off, you know, okay. when did you start to develop a, a critical consciousness? <laughs> when did that critical. start for you? <laughs> uh, well, I definitely didn't have that language for it. Um, but when I think about when I started kind of working through um, the ways in which the world works, my place in it all mm-hmm. was probably in high school. Um, and specifically a conversation we had about oh, abstinence only education versus like birth control. And if it's like effective, oh. do you remember that conversation, Darren? I'm trying to remember. Maybe I blocked it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll refresh it. Cause that was contentious. Um, <laughs> so this, uh, conversation was actually through like messaging, which, we literally wrote novels, like wow. book length text to each other on this. But yeah. basically you you had your position, I had my own position, but then it came to a conversation about knowing better versus doing better. Okay. And I remember that's where we really differed. And I was like, Well, just because people have education doesn't mean that like like just because you know things doesn't mean you're actually going to act on it and do better. What like, was my position? Your, I think your position, unfortunately, was that you just need to educate. <laughs> I said ah. education is the, the 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 path to freedom. <laughs> Free your mind with <laughs> with education. Oh, but I remember that conversation. Like it went past just like us maybe not agreeing or just disagreeing. But yeah. it was one of the first times where I really thought about how my like social and political beliefs might like how they affect everything else like how i look at other people how i think education should work yeah. what sort of legislation and policy like that's that's where it kind of started for me so i don't know if that's like yeah that's that's really when i started thinking about like my my critical consciousness you know yeah, yeah. Uh, how about you um Thinking back a little bit, I, I guess I have two thoughts. One was I remember having a conversation with you about feminism in high school. Um, problematic, Darren. Ooh. And it was <laughs> very much like everyone has to be a feminist. Everyone must be a feminist. Like feminism is the way. 
Um, and I think on your end, you're sort of like, well, I think it's more nuanced. I think there's like different ways. And I'm like, no, you need to be a feminist. Me telling, <laughs> you know, a woman or a girl at that point, like, you know, how they need to have their politics, which is one of the things you shouldn't do, you know, <laughs> if you're a man and you want to ascribe yourself to, to be <laughs> a feminist. So it was a bit, it was a bit odd. But I also think two, two of my biggest role models in developing sort of more of a critical consciousness or understanding of like race were my parents, you know, both of whom are black mm. Americans. Um, for me, I'm black American, meaning sort of my lineage in the countries coming from uh, the system of shadow slavery in the States. But for me growing up, everything about my world was, was black, you know? <laughs> I had black children's books, we had black Santas, black ornaments. Black TV, black talk, <laughs> you know, of my parents. So going into school, like I would draw black people. I was like, and then in school, I started pe- seeing people drawing white people, and I was like, why are we drawing? Why are we drawing white people? My world's black. <laughs> so yeah. um, in short, just my parents. I think uh, I don't know the word for it, but they shepherded me into thinking critically about race. Yeah, that's interesting because as you were speaking, I thought about something that I realized later in life but Mm. was very clear and apparent in our friendship in high school was the differences like I think when people right now tell people that blackness isn't a monolith they don't really have an idea of what that means but I know in our friendship like my parents are from Ghana so like I have immigrant parents but we're Mm. all black but our blackness is not the same our experiences our perceptions all of that what we're taught what we're raised on are very different um there's a lot of foundational similarities, but a lot of it's different. And that, I guess it kind of rolls into the next section. We called you out in this uh. part about <laughs> your things, but I guess really delving into like, once we started thinking critically, um, identifying the problematic viewpoints that we held um, and how we worked through them to push our development. For me, I know that I mm-hmm. just Spit inadvertently- it out. Spit it out. No, <laughs> You're just upset because we called you out. But I I definitely held, or not even, I don't want to say held because that, that aligns it so closely to who I am, but I definitely was exposed to some sort of misconceptions or yeah. like representations of African-American. Um, I don't know how you, how would you identify it as like, not everybody wants to be labeled as African-American or Black American. Um, yeah. I guess I want to be more inclusive of that. That makes sense. Yeah, I think like a lot of sort of like these micro discussions around how like within the black community itself, which isn't a monolith, you know, there's Mm -hmm. like a bit of tension at times between maybe people who have like parents who are African or who are like first gen versus like black Americans. Diasporatic wars. Yeah, diasporatic. (laughs) (laughs) And like the dynamics that go back and forth. And I think like probably white supremacy is is the issue as always, but I want to be more specific in my language, but sort of pitting us against each other. So I, I know for some black Americans, you know, calling African um, like students like booty scratchers or just like really African just, booty scratchers, just, just really ignorant dumb sort of statements. And then I don't know if like on the other side, like maybe some like people who are African not wanting to associate with like Black Americans Absolutely. because of the ways that like we've been held down historically in the state. Um, mm-hmm. I said state. I've been thinking of nation, state, and police. Oof, in this country, <laughs> like, oh, it jumped out. It jumped out. <laughs> you know, and then in this country, so yeah. So I guess. Uh, I guess I was looking for more of like an expansion on like the terms used for people who are racially like black, like 
oh, how right. that's what I was looking for. But basically I was acknowledging like I was probably exposed to, I know, I know I was exposed to like mentalities, comments, discussions about African-American people um, that were just problematic. And so I definitely, that was one of those earlier things that I had to challenge were like, oh, yeah. well, what, what have like my parents, aunts, uncles, other people in the Ghanaian community or a larger like African community that I've been exposed to, like what were things that were problematic? Yeah. Um, and how, w- how was I using that to guide my interactions with other Black people and how could I change them? So that was like my very early on like thing. And I don't know if you want to jump in before I go any deeper. Yeah, I was just saying just on my end as well, just like unpacking that, which I spoke to a little bit, but I, I do think that lots of thoughts about like Africa as like a monolith, you know, not having countries, you know, like <laughs> thinking of Africa in terms of like rhinos and giraffes and just really dumb sort Safari. of like imagery or like starving children and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I think within at least like the black community, see I'm saying black community, but I think the African-American sort of community just reimagining the ways that we we understand sort of the continent. And then also to like pointing the fingers too up at the systems and like the schools to being like, also do better, yeah. please. Like, please teach like this history. Please show us actual images. I know in the, the episode before this, you talked about uh, <laughs> a teacher completely skipping over Ghana, you know, in world history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I just, oof, that makes me upset. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so for me, something in particular that, I recognize is a, a lot of those problematic viewpoints, they can become watered down. So uh, I think okay. a lot of the times people think about it, it's like, oh, you identify it and then you correct it and it's done. Like it's over, it's a That's wrap. Right. Okay. But there's a lot of ways in which like some of those problematic sort of ideologies kind of sit with you and continue with you. Mm-hmm. And more recently, I went to Ghana for the holidays and I came back and I recognize that I, maybe not overtly or in any ways that I can really tangibly say, but I definitely didn't have a, a problem with the way that some Ghanaian people spoke pidgin English. But mm. I definitely like pause for a second when I hear certain like variations of, I guess like accented AAVE. And so uh. we talked about that and I was like, oh, like this is something that I realized where I'm like, it's not neither of those are standard English and you can speak on this more when we talk about your research but yeah neither pidgin English or AAVE are are standard English but I I only have like a pause when I hear like certain accented AAVE like specifically like some southern ones but then when I hear pidgin English, like I have no problem with that and again that might be because of my upbringing I was around people yeah. who sounded who spoke pidgin English or had that like the Ghanaian accents. And so that for me was a part of my normal and I didn't grow up with people who spoke AAVE or had different accents from different parts of like black America. So Uh that's something that I called out more recently within the past year of like, Oh wait, like I've worked on a lot of my problematic um, ideologies about like African-Americans, African-American culture, whatever sort of cluster you want to put it in. But I yeah. recognize that there was still like a little, like a non-conscious, like little like blip of like, oh, do I like take a second to process differently yeah. certain types of English? So yeah. And I love how like you, you own that too, you know, <laughs> who is it, my Angelou, when you know better, do better. Yeah. Um, because like that's part of like 
my politics. I think it's part of your politics too. Um, so I don't know if I want to transition a little bit here to, you know, talk about my problematic <laughs> way. Um, but I guess I think about them a lot in terms of like gender. So sort of like being gendered to be a man and sort of what that means for my position in the world. So I think largely taking up a lot of space, you know, a lot of times I would just be talking to people and I'd be making everything about myself. You know, they'd be like, be like, hey, what do you think? I think this. I think that. I want to know. (laughs) And I had a very close friend call me out on that, you know, and like that, that changed me for the better. Um, So I think about space a lot and also on the idea of space, I think about being a queer man and in particular sort of thinking about the history of sort of like the gay rights movement and how it's prioritized cis men, primarily gay cis men. Um, So within that movement, thinking about about like where we can go. So I can go to a gay bar, you know, in any city or, or a lot of different parts of the world not all of them. Um, And I can have space and I can have community, but that space is prioritizing men, you know? So like for lesbians or for sort of like other folk in the community, where's, where are their spaces? You know, where's the, where's the architecture for them? Did we, we didn't include them. (laughs) I think like, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about trans people as well. And people of trans experience facing violence, not only sort of like in the streets, you know, in their families, but also in LGBTQ spaces. (laughs) Like, it's like, no. And then if you're a trans person of color, like a black trans, um, like woman, like facing even more violence, you know? So I just have thought a lot about how I, I, I literally haven't included a lot of people into my, my worldview in terms of like space. Um, and that's problematic to me and that's not something I want to be doing. So moving forward, I've been trying to listen and learn more to like sort of call out some of my blind spots and just be better, you know, because a lot of times I don't want to speak on things because I feel like I'm going to get it wrong, but I, I got to I gotta be better, you know? You got to do better. <laughs> You kind of like tiptoed into the next section, but like, you know, like, like we're saying, like we have these politics, like we've worked on them over the years and they're, they're pretty strong and we lean on them in this podcast when we're talking about different issues and topics. Um, And so like, I guess the question of like how you support them and revise them in the light of new information, you, you just, you just kind of hit that a little bit Mm. um, where it's that you're being woke bay is an active status like it's not like you just like get membership right and then like it's over and the work ends there like you 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 have to you have to continue it's it's practice you read you write you watch you reflect like you developed it's like any other muscle you you have to work it you have to you have to nurture it you have to take care of it so that's one thing, but I guess maybe um, we should kind of provide some tangible steps or considerations okay. for supporting your politics once you start to build them, because that's what a lot of people are doing now. It's like they're now being very conscious about the politics that they hold. Well, yeah. how do I how do I support them once I have them? Yeah, that makes sense. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is like the role of the ego, you know, and sort of move it out of the way. Because it gets people killed. <laughs> like, like, well, do you want to tell people what the ego is? Oh, oop, oop, okay. Uh, so the ego, I understand the ego to be like this mental identification with sort of like this this history, this this story of you, of your life. So it's like the thoughts that you hold in your mind. Maybe some people call it your internal dialogue, what you believe yourself to be. You know, all of that is the ego. 
And sometimes, you know, when people call me out or I do something wrong, my ego gets inflamed. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I look bad. Oh my gosh, like I, I look wrong. Oh my goodness, like how's this going to make me feel or, or how's this going to make me look? But see, that's me sort of not holding space, you know, to actually deal with the issue. That's just my ego getting inflamed. And if I'm holding a, a transphobic, problematic view, that's going to, to go into the world, go into social space and, and lead to someone being sort of like murdered or being attacked on the basis of how they are in the world. Like I need to move that ego aside, you know? Mm -hmm. So I need to say, this is not about me. This is not about my feelings. This is not about any of that. I need to go up in my head, pull it aside and be receptive, you know, because my intention, you know, ground and intention. <laughs> Ooh, I could talk all day yeah, about intention. Go on. <laughs> be and live in a world that's inclusive to sort of like all people. But in order to do that, I have to listen to the specific people who are facing marginalization. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when the ego gets inflamed, move it out the way. Are you making this about yourself and your hurt feelings? Or, you know, is this about... Um, sort of actively doing something to, to change the world. And you can still feel the feelings. You can still feel bad and feel embarrassed and feel upset, but like, just don't get stuck there. Disidentify. Don't center it. Yeah. yeah. Disidentify, see if it's receptive or not, and then move forward. So that's my starter pack. Um, what's your starter pack? <laughs> my starter pack? So I, I like that your starter pack was about addressing yourself. Um, mm. My, I guess, addition to that is about other people. So... Okay. An important part of maintaining your politics is about the people around you. Um, and of course, you can't control the world. That's the reason why to develop your politics. So then you can like go forth and act on the world in ways in which will like help bring the change you want to see. Right. Yeah. Or just maintain. But I think it's important to when you become conscious of these things to have people around you that believe in the same thing. Or oh, also, like, okay. have politics that can, like, you can have conversation and engage with them and also grow. So that might be in the sense of, like, kind of mentors and, in yeah. like, they're more seasoned in their politics and you can learn from them. And then it can take another form of people that are also learning, but they're actively learning. They're not just like, oh, you know, saying it, talk, well, like, talking the talk, but not, they're not walking the walk. So... That's something that I really appreciate about my friendship with you and other people where yeah. it's that I'm constantly being challenged and pushed and questioned and I'm, uh, it helps me grow. It helps me grow because I get pushed back when something I'm sitting in or talking about isn't quite right or it ignores certain groups and populations that I just don't have um, frequent interactions with or don't cross my mind yeah. uh, quite often. Um, it also like helps me to sort of throw ideas out there, hear them, get feedback, and then go out into the world or on the internet and look for more information. So, you know, that yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Just the community-based effort. So like when something yep. comes up, I'm like, is this a problematic viewpoint? And I can be like, Ayo, Jaslyn, <laughs> do you need to like check me on this or something? And also too, like having an understanding of my own sort of like positionality. So like for me, like a lot of my thoughts about like gender might be ill-informed. <laughs> just well. <laughs> given the way it was gendered in the society. So sort of like checking with people and like asking. So I don't want to, I don't think there's too much more to add there. Um, but I just am agreeing with what you're saying. Yeah. Basically becoming woke bay is a lifelong lifelong process right and <laughs> yeah. we say woke bay in a joking way but it's just like i i think striving for that being like 
being, again, as the kids say, being woke, it's about being aware, um, you know, it's about being an active member of society and understanding and doing work. Like it's all those wonderful things that are happening right now, but we want to see that long-term. It's not about in the moment. It's about making this a part of who you are. And that's why we, we talked about like critical consciousness in terms of developing your moral and your social compass. So we want to see a lifelong commitment to becoming woke Bay. Yeah, we do. And accountability, you know? <laughs> accountability. <yourself> <laughs> yeah. So I think right now we'll sort of put in the segment where we kind of talk about um, the challenges that people face when they're trying to go through this process mm-hmm. and then the people that helped us along the way. We hope you enjoy and, you know, let us know what you think on Instagram, Twitter all the social medias and we'll continue after that. (laughs) (laughs) This is about to be good. So we were talking about how like we can have an episode on how you develop your politics and the journey to being this this being that's aware. Woke Bay. (laughs) The journey to being woke bay. And for me, I was just like, well, it's like how can you you can want to do better, learn, and do whatever, but if you don't have access to what all is out there, then you can't evolve. Like, you can't develop your politics. Like, before, I only thought that feminism was the only way to go. So if you weren't a feminist, there wasn't anything else. But then I learned about Black feminism, and then eventually learned about womanism. And so, like, you can't evolve if you don't know what's out there. So I think it's important to, like, take a step back and it's like, okay, well, you can talk to people about what their politics are all day and night. If they don't know that there's anything else out there, other movements, other groups, other ways that they can align themselves, then it kind of stops short because there's a desire to Mm -hmm. learn, but there's no, they don't have access because they're either not a part of the community the people around them like they also don't know so for me i learned about womanism like end of last year and all this time all my politics kind of aligned with that but i didn't have a name i didn't have people to go to i didn't have resources to read so i was just kind of left in the dark with these ideas these feelings these desires these goals but i have nowhere to put it i have nowhere to go i have nowhere to build so yeah i think think that's important yeah i think you're speaking to to sort of like where to go to like get the information is important as well so in order to like develop the politics you have to have the names for the things um when you were talking i was thinking a lot about how some people refer to their sexual orientation as same gender loving a lot of black queer people do that um instead of gay um because the gay rights movement has largely been exclusionary to to trans people but also very much so to people of color and black people in particular Mm -hmm. so in changing to use the identifier, same gender loving, it's sort of like a political move away from like a movement. Um, and then it gives you that that title to go and put in Google. <laughs> so then you can like yeah. you can go and like figure out like what is the same gender loving thing and like what's its origin. Yeah. And then you can find the black people who popularize the use of the term. You can look up their work and you can sort of like develop more of your politics. Um, so for me, when I think about developing a politics, it's not just about you know, learning some cool terms. It's being able to go underneath and learn about who developed those 
cool terms and tie it together yeah and tie it together so that way I can 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 go about my life and be like all right this is sort of like my my framework or my tool belt about how to sort of think about these things coming from a body of work it's it's situating it outside of myself in a body of work Mm. um someone else's body not my body so get out your own body so (laughs) (laughs) that's how I think Um, about it I remember when I was freshman year of college, I had to take an elective for whatever it was. It was a humanity elective. Mm-hmm. And I took a contemporary moral issues class. And it was a philosophy class. And so that was the first time I really learned about the strength of identifying with something. Like we talked a lot about like uh, pro-abortion, pro-life. Mm-hmm. Like those titles are so heavy and weighted. And mm-hmm. like, you need to belong to one or the other and they come with so much. Well, the same thing can be true for people that are trying to like develop these social politics right now. Like Mm. there's like all these big camps, like, are you like, do you want to abolish the the police? So like, do you want to like, like there's all these things. And then like, there's like the bigger sort of social thinking group that yeah. kind of develop these ideas they have the readings they have the statistics they have all these things so right now people are being hit with like the sub level type of terms and ideology but they don't have like the big foundational um resources they don't know where it's yeah. coming from they don't know who's behind yeah. it who to go to how to work with it it's just they're seeing something on instagram that says defund the police well like do you know the people like the movers and shakers that made this like that popularized this? Yeah. Um, you do you know where to go to get more information to like really make sure you're aligning yourself with something that you truly believe in um, and you see the vision for? That's that's a lot of what's going on is that people see a problem but they don't see the vision for the future. Yeah, I agree with that. And like I was thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement, which has become largely like politicized and political. And like how a lot of the people who started that are queer people, are queer women. <laughs> like, and a lot of people who support the Black Lives Matter movement don't know that. <laughs> so I'm sort of just like, if this is a political movement, like we should look at the origin of it to understand that. Like I also was thinking too about how you're talking about like, should we support the police? Should we not support the police? You know, like these sorts of thoughts. Um for me, like, I've been reading a lot more about sort of, like, queer theory and developing a queer politics. And that, for me, means, like, bothness. That means, like, spectrums. That means, like, not one or the other. Like, it's, like, non-categorical. So it's because I sort of have, I guess, a bit of a resource that I've been reading of queer politics that it allows me to understand that I don't have to choose one. <laughs> like, I can be like, oh, you know, like, I agree with one thing, but I also agree with something else. Um, but that came from, like, a political movement that that sort of in a theory that sort of like supported that line of thinking and being. Um, and, and I don't necessarily, like, I'm not saying I subscribe or, or don't subscribe to police and all that. I'm not getting into all that <laughs> like right now. Yeah. But I was using what that was, as an example. <laughs> as an what example. was the phrasing or the term used during our sip and chat? It was it oh. and? Yeah, like and but, I think. And but, like things we can exist. Two things can exist even if they cause cognitive dissonance. So like you were saying, you didn't have to choose could subscribe and you have both things be true at the same time you know yeah and my african-american psychology course too we talked about that a lot too so and and it's so strange because i feel like it's in courses like that like african-american psych or sort of like maybe classes that use some queer theory or or different things that you learn about a lot of this stuff but i'm just like you got to be in those classes to learn it (laughs) so you have to be in the place you said like it's 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 so hard because 
I think there's this misconception with anything that people put out that um, it's helpful or well-developed that people think it just comes to you. Um, like they just wake up and it's there and it's no, not. It's, you read. <laughs> it's a muscle that's worked on. Like you read, you watch, you reflect, you think, you revise, you call yourself out. Um, and so I think it's important to like acknowledge that we had a journey and we didn't just wake up. We weren't born like this. Yeah, I agree with that. Who are yeah. some of your like um, your faves? Your thought faves. Okay. Thought faves. <laughs> That's the thing. So I, I am not in like I don't even have the words or the fields. Like, what? How would you describe the literature that you read? Like, what would you? What fields would you say you pull from? Like, um, how would you conceptualize the work that you do? Yeah. So I pull from like I guess sociolinguistics, um, psychology, sociology communications which my phd will be in um, so don't mm-hmm. want to forget that one neuroscience mm-hmm. i studied international education i studied spanish um and then also yeah. too, like a lot of social media as a discipline where i'm listening to performance you. artists you know that's and, what i wanted and, to like, hit <laughs> yeah and a lot of like people a lot of whom are, are trans like i keep bringing this up because like a lot of them aren't necessarily represented or like their voice is actively silenced in academic spaces. So I'm like, okay, well, where can I go to sort of hear it? Not to say that trans people aren't included in, in academia. There's, there's trans people who write things, you know, you got to read it. <laughs> but I, I just try to pull for wherever I, I can. That's exactly what I wanted to hit on because I think when people ask those questions, they're waiting for you to like name a scholar and for you to like really, <laughs> to really like hit them with like, you know, just someone who is like the face of a movement, yeah. a scholarly um, person. But for me, a lot of where my political development came from was YouTube. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would watch people who like for Harriet, I think she would say that she's like a cultural commentator right. and like more recently now like i've listened to like the tea with queen and jay podcast and they call themselves womanist womanist race nerds excuse me and so like i have learned a lot from them but i don't just take what they say what they say it it causes me to question and to think and then i go on and i look for you know like the written pieces or yeah. the work or the statistics behind things. And then I inform myself further, but that's the thing. A lot of this thought doesn't happen in a bubble. It's not one person sitting there and, you know, like in the woods, just writing and like coming all this stuff and putting it out. It's you feeding off of the ideas of other people, the conversation, like the personal experiences. So like, yeah. I think I'm not going to name drop any like, any academics because if I'm being completely honest, like they're not, they're not the ones that shaped my politics. It's, mm-hmm. it's not them. So they don't get the credit. But for me, I would say again, like we, we cite black women, we pay black women. Right. I would say the people that I followed since high school would be Julesy, um, for Harriet and more recently, um, the Tea with Queen and Jay podcast. Yeah, I completely, as I always say, second and third, all of that. I guess <laughs> just to name a few, Alok Vade Menon, I hope I didn't mess up the person's name, but um, I follow them. I follow India Moore, um, who's been sharing a whole bunch. I follow Billy Porter. I follow MJ Rodriguez. Um, just the whole cast of, like, Pose. <laughs> I follow, mm-hmm. like, everyone. <laughs> Um, just to name a few, I, I follow Miles J. I love Miles J. <laughs> it's like a whole yeah. bunch. I'm not going to get to everyone's name, but 
I, I just follow a whole bunch of people and then I do what you say. Like I listen to what they say and then I sort of like try to filter it through what I, what I know. And then I try to sort of like share it as much as I can, you know, Yeah. <laughs> just to get yeah. the word out. Cause I think it's important. And I think that's sort of maybe the toolkit of how to go about it. So like, I think this idea, someone, one of my um, colleagues, you know, someone in my cohort made this point. I would like, put her name out there, but I don't want to sort of like throw it into the podcast. But like she, if I'm getting it right, thought this idea of producing knowledge was like weird. Like a lot of people in academia use the term or language, like knowledge production, you know? And mm -hmm. it's like, are we sitting in our ivory tower just producing the thought? Like, no, I don't think we no, are. I think we're, we're not. Maybe crowdsourcing knowledge. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a better term. Absolutely. Just, I see myself more so as like a conduit, you know, if anything. Um, but just like I'm learning from people every day and in interactions, people who aren't getting fancy degrees, you know, people who aren't sort of in the classrooms, like I'm learning from so many people. And I think a big issue too, when we say sort of like cite black women uh, or sort of like cite trans people, it's like who is allowed into like the institutional spaces like that we can cite, you know, who is that architecture encompassing? Who, who do we allow to exist there fully? Because like there, there are a lot of thoughts that I've, I've learned just from listening to people on Instagram, you know? but can I cite them? Like, <laughs> I was having a conversation with someone about this the other day and they're like, maybe you can put them in the acknowledgements. Like maybe that's one thing we can do. I, I think we do a disservice when we don't fully acknowledge all the places that we get information from or inspiration. Cause I think yeah. a lot of it, like academics are inspired by the world around them. And yeah. that's where their work comes from. I don't care what anybody says. I'm putting that out there. That's what it is. Yeah. We're inspired. <laughs> and then we go and we do the work to either understand or to prove or to support like that's what we do so yeah. acknowledge if that person didn't contribute in a way that constitutes authorship um you definitely or citation or something like that you can still acknowledge them there's ways to give credit to it to like uh, um bring attention to the people that are actually yeah changing and shifting the work that we do. I agree. And I think we should push for that, you know, like in, in our respective domains. And I think like, I've been thinking a lot about not wanting to be sort of like wrong or mess up or not do it the right way. But for me, that's not an excuse, you know, because silence is complicit. See, I don't know how to say that word, but silence is complicit. <laughs> so my thing, it's like, be willing to be wrong in public, you know, do your research. Don't just be out here, <laughs> but, but, but be willing to be wrong in public. So that way someone can build on your work. Cause like, I think a lot of ways the academic process works as well as like someone puts one thing out, you know, then someone comes, they read it, they say what's good. And then they also give feedback and then they build and then they cite it. But like, if you don't have someone citing something, even if it's not completely right, how are you supposed to build on that knowledge? Um, yep. So I think like if you are someone who has status, particularly within this institution, it's it's really important for you to sort of uh, just just go for it. Like read first, please read, but 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 go for it. <laughs> yeah, I I have a personal beef. Darren has heard me talk about this so much, <laughs> but I have a personal beef with incomplete or like misinformed thoughts just kind of free floating because that's dangerous like yeah we just like we're saying we use these things to like sort of inform our scientific approach or anything like that people use that in their everyday lives so it's like just just be mindful of what you're putting out there what sources you're pulling from and all that sort of stuff but definitely acknowledge where things come from at the same time yeah i don't even have anything to add to that <laughs> <laughs> We'll
So for this week's Word on the Street, we had a listener submission, and they asked, how should departments slash universities reach out to students right now? What's their role in this time? Okay, so how should university, what is their role at this time? I think one thing is like silence is not the answer. So you need to reach out. You need to say something. Say something. They've given up on us. You know, they, they <laughs> gave up on us. <laughs> like, yeah. So for one, like if you're a student of color and you have to do a lot of the legwork, if you're a black student and you have to do a lot of the legwork to get your, your school to even say something, the school is doing it wrong. You, you failed. So, like, <laughs> But you know, like the failure is another opportunity for success. So the thing is to say something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> y'all. Yeah. You know, like listen. I don't know the answers to this. So also to just you know, a lot of schools have diversity and inclusion representatives. So like hitting them up, you know, and and asking what they have to say as well. Like I have felt sort of like um, the need to say something as a black student within like my sort of my own school, but at the same time. I know that there's like a lot of people in place to do that work as well. So like just as a student, that's not what the question was, but as a student as well, sort of like being kind to yourself too um, and making space for yourself um, within these institutions. So that's tangential, but um, I want to hear what you have to say, Jocelyn. So I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, we've, Black students have always been Black students and they've always been Black people. There's always been things going on that impact them, but I wish I pulled up the article, but there was an article that was circulating about like maintaining professionalism during Mm. this time. And we've always had to do that. It doesn't matter if it was a different incident of police brutality and violence. Like we still had to show up to our meetings, to our classes, to do our research. And in this time where it's just overwhelming and it just sits heavy, I think this is one of the first times that institutions the people that work in them are acknowledging it but even just checking in like i of course you should be checking in on the black employees the black students all of that stuff but you should also take that into consideration when interacting with them professionally so what the expectations you have for productivity what Uh, it is that you're asking them to do like the demands that you have on them in this time because this is one of the few times where people are acknowledging the fact that the the things that happen in our personal lives and in the outside world impacts us professionally. And that Mm. there's always been this division, like it's been divorce where it's like my personal existence is separate from my professional existence, but they're tied together. Like you, you can't pull one from the other. So yeah, that's my thought. I agree with that. I think also to transitioning to action, (laughs) like doing something, you know, it's not enough just to check on someone. It's like, don't ask me how I am if you don't actually care, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you're doing to save face or serve the ego, then that's not serving me. Or, or, and when I say me, I don't mean me, Darren. I mean like black people, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just if you're saying something, also do something. I don't have like a a, a 10 item, like spreadsheet of what to do. Yeah. But, you know, within your respective domain, do something. All right. So I think that's an episode. I don't know if you agree. I think that's an episode. I'm tired. (laughs) That's an episode. All right. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Millennials Unpublished. Tune in each week as we all figure out life together. 
Yeah, please continue to rate, subscribe, write a review, and share the podcast. Um, if you like what you're hearing, please shout us out on Instagram at Millennials Unpublished. That's with two N's and two L's. I'm at Darren27. And I'm at Jaunty Jazz. Thank you for joining us and tune in next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.